All right, how's it going, everybody? Welcome to the second episode of Wizards and Wisdom. I'm Joe Curry. I'm joined with my co-host. My name is Bud Uzoris. Uh Today we're just going to do a quick rundown of what the format's going to look like, who we're talking about today, uh, kind of give you guys an overview of exactly what's what each episode's going to look like. So our first recurring theme will be the main chunk of the show, which will be the three wizards that we talk about, one from video games, one from literature, and one from real life. We also have the second segment, which seems to be probably a little more fun. It's a little more, haha, who do you think would win, would be what we're calling the pit. The pit. The pit. Yeah. Do you want to you wanna talk about why we're calling it the pit? Yeah, well, if and just to, just to kind of talk about what we're doing right now, this is the stuff that we probably should have done in episode one. Yeah. Uh, but you know, this is our first first time trying out a podcast, so we're probably going to make a lot of mistakes along the way, and that's okay. We had a good conversation, nevertheless. Uh, but what we want to do today, to, before we get into our conversation, like Joe said, is just talk about what what our format's going to be, what our layout looks like. So, like Joe said, we're going to talk about our wizards uh, from the different categories, and we're going to have a segment recurring that's called the Pit, and that's based on uh, the Pit. In Oteria uh, from Magic the Gathering, we have, we talked about uh, my favorite Magic the Gathering character, Arcanus the Omnipotent, last episode, and uh, he was a pit fighter uh, in the Grand Coliseum in Oteria. So uh, we're putting for fun two characters together, just kind of see, hey, who would win in a fight? Stick him in the pit. So that's something that we're going to do each episode. Yeah, definitely. I think you'd be in agreement with me that we, we're more than happy to take suggestions. Absolutely. Yeah, because I, I would love to look up someone I didn't know anything about and see like who, yeah. who would win. We also want your your input as to who you think would win in the pit, too. Yeah. Uh, and other, you know, anyone we talk about, any any discussions we have, if there's insight that you want to you wanna hit us with uh, on Facebook or yeah. uh, email, whatever. Yeah. And Definitely. the other thing I wanted to cover before we move further was I – Want to make sure that our email address is clear because I think we gave two or three versions of the email <laughs> probably, episode one. Pro- so like, probably because we just which is probably it. okay because I don't think anybody's emailed us yet. Yeah. Um, uh, but I don't. What is what exactly is our email? Where right, I'm gonna have Joe look that up now. In the meantime, let me let me finish talking about our format. So we have our three wizards from gaming, from literature, from real life. We're gonna have our recurring segment called the Pit. And then after that, we're going to have one final wizard that we discuss, and that's a character from Magic the Gathering. Now, Joe and I are longtime Magic players, and it's something that, that we do a lot, and we you know spend a lot of time thinking about and playing the game of Magic, and we're both interested in the lore. Uh, but we also know that not everybody who might listen to this podcast uh, might not – they might not be a Magic player. And so we save that for the end because if you're not a Magic player – because we're not going to go into – it's not going to be a magic discussion for new players or people who don't know how to play. We're going to discuss cards and mechanics and things that if you don't yeah. play magic, you may have no idea what we're talking about. So feel free to stop the podcast at that point because um, that will be the last segment of each episode. Or if you only like magic, I guess you could fast forward yeah, to only come, the magic yeah, just, segment. Just come to the end. Then it's a very short podcast yeah. for you, but you'll get what you want. So we, you know, we aim to please. So okay. that's, that's going to be kind of what – you know with. Maybe some deviations here and there, but that's basically well, we'll our go format. off topic eventually. I can't imagine that we'd ever go off topic. And yeah, it'll never digress happen. ever. I can't imagine that happening. But 
So I was, I did, I pulled up the official, what I have logged in my phone. So it's wizards and wisdom podcast mm. at gmail.com. Okay. Wizards and wisdom podcast, podcast. at yes. gmail.com. Okay. Yes. So if you, if you, Email just wizards and wisdom at Gmail. You'll probably get somebody else. Yeah, who maybe. tried to or, make a podcast or, five years ago. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, we have a fan. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> that I can I can say that's how they would react because that's how I'll react if I get an email. <laughs> I know. Oh, thanks so much. Oh, I love you. Thank you for listening. <sighs> All right. So now now that that's done, mm-hmm. you want to talk about our giveaway? Oh, the giveaway. Yeah. Okay, so I have, um, as everyone knows, we are losing the great childhood store, Toys R Us. Mm. Yes. So I was there, and I was like, well, I collect pop figures in the corner of the room. There's quite a few of them over there, from ranging from Jace, Magic Card, yeah. all the way up to Harry Potter, Batman, Spider-Man, yeah. a, a slew of them. Um, I saw one over there that kind of looks like me. Which one is that? Which one? Well, I don't know. I'll have to look for it. All right. You keep talking. Um, <laughs> also, also trying to thought. Oh, what this guy. Who's this guy? That is Dean Winchester from Supernatural. Oh, see? Okay. I, <laughs> no wonder. I thought it looked like me. Obviously, I am uh, the lost Winchester yeah. brother. Yes. As you can probably tell from my ruggish good looks. Yes. Yeah. Ruggish? Uh, is that a ruggish? Rugged? Yes. Yeah. My ruggish. Ruggish. Yeah. You can add ish From, or yeah. e to anything, and it's yeah, it works. So basically, I look like a rug. Is that if, if I look <laughs> ruggish? Yeah. Not exactly it's, like a rug, just ruggish. Yeah. yeah. All right. So let's move on. This is working out so well. <laughs> I saw the Raven, who is going to be one of our pit fighters today. Yeah. I saw that they had a Toys R Us exclusive pop. Yeah. And. No, this was a Teen Titans Go yeah. version, right? Yeah, it's a Teen Titans Go. Even yeah. though I'm not sure in the pop world how much different they would be. Uh, probably not much. Um, but but I, just, is, I just need to make the point that yeah. the original, like the 2003 Teen Titans yeah. cartoon, they way better, better. Yeah. way better than <laughs> Teen Titans Go. Yeah. Um, just saying, I don't know what, like, yeah. I don't know why they, I don't know. Anyways. Sad days. Um, but... Um, I'm trying to remember the exact rules that I put on the Facebook page. I believe it was share, share, share the first podcast episode, right. like the status and like us on Facebook, and you'll be entered. They got to do all three. Yeah, I get. All right. Just we gotta get that publicity in. Oh, that's for real. <laughs> you got that. All right. Right, so share like yeah. and like. Yeah, share okay. like and like. Share like. And I mean, like. if if you don't if you don't like that status of me posting the giveaway. I'll let it. I'll let it slide, you know. Yeah. But you might lose to someone who did. I'm not. I'm not saying that you will. I'm just saying <laughs> they like me more. And yes, that's true. They 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 want to go <laughs> the extra mile. Yeah. For that pop figure. Yeah. They were like, mm, I need that lavender colored raven. Yeah. That's cool. Um, Very cool. Uh, we also wanted to take a time, take a moment here before we got into our conversation to kind of give a little introduction to who we are, which we didn't do episode one. This is true. Uh, because again, you know, episode one, yeah, and I've never done a podcast before, so here I am talking into a microphone. Uh, <laughs> so what do I know? <laughs> but, yeah. but I thought it'd be nice, since I was kind of reflecting after we recorded the podcast and thinking about what do podcast people do, Yeah. I thought it'd be nice for the listener to get an understanding of who we are. Yeah. So I'll go first. All right, that works. My name is Bud. 
And yes, that is my real name. Um, I get that question more than anything else when it comes to my name. Um, just had my driver's license renewed. Got the question asked there. Uh, went and got my taxes filed. Had my you know question asked there. It happens a lot. So, uh, but it is my real name. And uh, just a few things about me. Uh, I I have a degree, college degree in theology and philosophy. Uh, I have two. I hold black belts and two styles of karate. I'm also trained in Muay Thai and uh, jujitsu. Um, working on my third black belt, which would be in jujitsu. Um, and I own a martial arts school, and I'm a martial arts instructor. And I've been a gamer kind of nerd for a long time. Uh, primarily, uh, over the last 24 years, I've played Magic the Gathering, but I have played video games. And I don't play video games as much now as I used to, uh, probably because when video games started becoming three-dimensional, I had a hard time keeping up. Just, just, <laughs> the old man had to retire and uh, stick with cardboard pieces. Oh, of, you know. <laughs> I mean, that's... It's not terrible. Both both are valid. You know, my 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 idea of a good time in video games is that side scroll, you know, Mario like Brothers. A, oh, Mario Brothers. Um, there's Contra. a there's a Contra Contra, Contra with the cheat code. <laughs> All right, now there's a there's a website. I want to say old Nintendo something dot com, uh, but I've got it saved in my on my browser, so <laughs> I, I, you can go play old like Nintendo games. Okay. And so I went and I actually just I've beaten through Contra like three or four times in the last two weeks on that website. Okay. Just old school, man. Just super good. You can't beat Contra without the cheat codes. You got to put the cheat code yeah. in, but it's there. You can get the thirty lives. Uh, you can't beat Contra with only three lives anyway. But yeah. but yeah, so that's that's my that's me a little brief version of me. So, Joe. I would – I'm Joe Curry. Um, That's I do his real not, name. That is my, that is my real – well, technically, no. Ten, <laughs> technically, my real name is Joseph Curry. Oh, okay. But I like Joe better. That's right. <laughs> I get to pick. You can. Yeah. <laughs> what do you want me to call you? Do you prefer Joe or Joseph? Now, I get that question a lot. Do you? Yeah. But mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if that's as annoying as – is that your real name? Yeah. Well, there's a story behind my name, which I'm not going to get into here. Okay. <laughs> Uh, okay. But yes, my legal name is Bud. So uh, for now that'll suffice. Yeah. Um but I've been I mean I've I've been a nerd for as long as I can remember whether it be comic books, superheroes, tabletop gaming. Magic I haven't been in as long, um but I before Magic I collected Pokemon cards and Yu-Gi-Oh cards. Granted Magic is older than that, but at the time sure they weren't, you know, it yeah. wasn't advertised for me. Right. Like, uh, I love Pokemon as a kid. Um, Legend of Zelda is probably my favorite gaming franchise. I will... Mm. Oh, if... Like the Nintendo Switch. I bought a Nintendo Switch just to play the new Legend of Zelda game. Like, I'll sure. play other games on it, like Mario Kart and stuff like that. But sure. Breath of the Wild, I was there. I was like, right. I need it. I need it yesterday. Um, yeah, Legend of Zelda, for a lot of people... Uh, but Legend of Zelda holds a, a dear place in my heart as well. A uh, long time ago, the original Nintendo Entertainment System, uh, the first Legend of Zelda game, yeah. came out in 1986. I didn't get I didn't get a Nintendo system until 88, 89. But the th- first three games I ever got uh, was the, the Super Mario Brothers, uh, Kung Fu, and the Legend of Zelda with the gold cartridge, which nice. was super super awesome back in the day. Uh, and so, yeah, my first 
my first encounter with uh, one of our wizards today was yeah. back in the late 80s uh, in his original pig form. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, other than that, um, yeah, I've been tabletop game. I think D&D was my favorite tabletop game as a kid just because mm-hmm. my dad would tell me stories about how he used to play and then oh, yeah. I would be like, I want a character like that. I usually... You know, I usually play like a chaotic neutral or or I try to lean evil just because if it's a fantasy world, I should be able to do whatever I want. Yeah, but, a little escape from reality. Yeah, makes sense. but escapism, yeah. be like, oh, are you, are you telling me that I can break into this house right. um, without without real life consequence? Right. Okay. Like, right. I first started playing D&D in the mid-80s. I was you know, a kid. But we had a group of people around the around the neighborhood who played, and the older kid on the block was the DM. And for for years, every character I had was chaotic good, because I didn't understand what alignments meant. Yeah, I thought chaotic was like woo party, you know, and then good was good, right? Yeah. I didn't realize the whole like, you know, law versus chaos. And, yeah, you know, whatever. But I wasn't I wasn't ready for that yet. But I played mostly good characters. Yeah, I think. I think later, as I started developing more of an understanding, I think I started to lean more um, neutral good. Mm-hmm. Like, I was, like, just a normal guy who could do cool stuff. Like, right. I was going to be good, but as far as being ah, crazy or steadfast in the law, I felt like it was more of a – everyone should have a mental state of – it's circumstantial. Like, my decision is going to be based on the situation that I'm in. Right. But – like, if I walk into it and there's, you know, thieves burning down a village, I can either A, the option is available to me to help loot, or help, do the good the thing. Thieves. <laughs> yeah, I can help the thieves, or right. I can stop the thieves. I'm not bound by some... Or you could ignore the thieves. I could. Yeah. I could just be like, mm, didn't see it. Right. But anyway, I digress. We already went off. We've already gone off topic. Uh, that's that's mostly me. I do not hold two degrees. That being said, um, not that it's super embarrassing. I am a two-time college dropout. Hey, yeah. <laughs> I dropped out of college once, so because you know, I eh, I'm not really sure exactly what I wanted to do. You know, it's that redemption story, man. Yeah. You know, I dropped out of college and I went back. So, yeah. and you got you have time. Yeah, you know? I'll probably I'll probably end up going back. I don't know for you know, what yet, but you know, and honestly, aside from the occasional podcast or blog entry that I've written throughout the years, I really haven't used my degree. Right? Other than to sound smart. Other than sound smart. <laughs> and sometimes that doesn't work. But that's, you know, it's, I've never really made a living off of my college degree, <laughs> but I do pay back student loans. Oh. Um, yeah. So I've lost money. <laughs> I've lost a lot of money going to college. So don't do it, kids. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, for real, like, all right, let me. I, I will preface this All by right. saying my girlfriend's a pharmacist. She's a, she has a doctorate. She's making plenty of money. All right, but... now let me let me. All right, I'm, we haven't even started our yeah. topic yet. <laughs> Episode two. We didn't even talk about yeah. the wizards. We're yeah. just gonna rant. We're... <laughs> but, but we're here, right? Yeah. So. All right. So you graduate high school at 18, let's say usually, unless you you know make every important life decision right now. Yeah. Yeah. So you're at 18 years old, and they're like, okay, what do you want to be for the rest of your life? Because that's kind of how college is set up, right? Yeah. 
Now you can change your major and a lot of your you want first year or two might be like prerequisites and yeah. you know like your kind of universal things that everybody needs yeah. like speech class or whatever algebra one or whatever you know things that they make every student take yeah. but for the most part between the ages of 18 and 22 they expect you in the system we have in college to have your life figured out yeah I still don't fully have my life figured out <laughs> and I'm in my early 40s now Right? I certainly didn't have my life figured out when I was 20. Now, people are different. Some yeah. people have their life figured out, and they know what they want to do. So it's not a matter of age. It's simply a matter of you can't expect, you can't put that expectation on every single 18 Definitely. to 22-year-old to say, okay, now you must know what you need to be in life. Definitely. Because how you, you know, like what I thought I was going to be at 18, 19, 20, even 25 is nowhere near where I am now. You know, honestly, the weird thing is that when I was 16, 17, I wanted to be a martial arts instructor. And then I kind of gave that up because back then it didn't seem like uh, it was worth pursuing. Yeah. You know, like, oh, stop living that fantasy karate kid Mr. Miyagi yeah. nonsense. Go college, go get a real job. Yeah. So then I went to college, and that was what I was supposed to do. Yeah. But in the end, was it what I was supposed to do? Yeah. If, if, if I had pursued that dream, would it, you know... Yeah. But again, those are things that you most for the most part, most people aren't going to be able to figure out unless they go through some life experience. Yeah. And I know people now who are 20 years old, 21 years old, even younger, who feel like their lives are over or that their lives are bad. Yeah. Because they haven't figured out their life yet. Yeah. It's like that doesn't make you bad. Yeah. Like you have to live your life to understand it a little bit, to yeah. know who you are. Yeah. You like you've only been alive long enough and and self-aware for how many years? Yeah. You know. Like, like I, I've been legally driving longer than a twenty-year-old has been self-aware yeah. of their own existence. Yeah. So how is that person supposed to know? Oh, this is what I want in my life. Yeah. No. Now yeah. that said, some people they get they get. A, an idea in their head and they go with it yeah and that's fine but my point is people are different yeah college is run in the way the college system is run in a way that assumes everyone's the same yeah and everyone has their stuff figured out by 18 19 20 yeah and i think it i think it causes some unnecessary stress on well, does. youth like absolutely <laughs> youth is the time honestly i think youth is the time where you make the mistakes you experiment I don't mean drugs, but maybe. <laughs> but you know, like, but you you know, you adventure, right? Yeah. You like do things. There's things that I could do at 20 that I couldn't do at 40. You know, I'm not talking about like kicking over my head. I mean, like I can still do that, but <laughs> but I mean just like you know, because I have bills and I've got responsibilities and yeah. I, you know, and things happen in my life. Where at 20, I didn't have any of that. Yeah. You know, I didn't have to worry about you know kids. I didn't have to worry about. You know, a, a rent. You know, like, yeah. like there's certain things that I didn't have to worry about. Definitely. You know, and and our society doesn't doesn't look at it like that. Doesn't yeah. doesn't set it up that way. And it I sets would. people up for failure, yeah. I think, in the long run, unless they understand the system isn't designed for them to succeed. Yeah. It's not like a conspiracy theory. Yeah. Now, but really, <laughs> it's not. I was gonna I was gonna say I could get into the philosophy of why I think. The world is set up that way, but it would that would that would take up the entire podcast. <laughs> say something along the lines of, you know, the, right. especially in the United States, we're not meant to be 
you're not meant to get a degree to you know advance your dreams. You're meant to get a degree to make money to be a consumer and progress. Right. Financial future, not right. what your human future, the thing that you know you're going to die someday. Do what you love, like right. What's well, the thing? Do, like, what's going to make money? Do that. Yeah, life is short, and you only have so many years to 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 live it and enjoy it and make the most of it. And society puts these expectations on us that not only are they not realistic, they're not important in the long run. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter. Like, if you want kids, fine. If you don't want kids, that's your choice. Yeah. If you want to get married, fine. If you don't want to get married, that's your choice. You know, if you want to buy a house, if you don't, like these are like what is going to make you happy and healthy and what is going to help you be a better person. Yeah. Like those are the things that I think we should be asking. And when success, quote unquote, success is based on how much money I have or how big my house is or what my family looks like or you know how many degrees I have, yeah. it doesn't matter in yeah. the long run. If I if well, by the time I'm 95 and looking back on my life, I was miserable my whole life, and then I'm like, man, if only I could have gone surfing yeah. with my friends when I was 22, when they took a road trip to California, but I was studying calculus, <laughs> and then I didn't use the calculus because who uses calculus unless yeah. you're like a scientist or yeah. you know, you know mm-hmm. a ma- one of the real mathematicians that writes yeah. that stuff on the board yeah. that looks really cool, like yeah. you know, Goodwill Hunting kind of thing. Yes, you know, I love that movie. Like, like that's super sexy to do that. But like, I don't know what any of it means. Yeah. Like you look really smart, but that means nothing to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like just yeah. Anyway, All right. How do we transition from ranting about life <laughs> to so, a guy who doesn't care about it? To a guy who doesn't care. <laughs> we we are enjoying life, and so yeah. one of the things we're doing is we're ranting on a podcast you know, about um, why the world doesn't let people enjoy life. Exactly. <laughs> And it's, it's our prerogative. We can yeah. do that. It's our podcast. <laughs> we do what we so. want. Uh, <laughs> so I'm just just going to segue. We're going to talk about Ganondorf. <laughs> oh, that's a pretty smooth segue. Yeah, I'm I just going like to be like, we're going to... Seamless, you yeah. would say. <laughs> Seamless segue yeah. into our actual topic. So Ganondorf. Ganondorf. So um, I, I think we both have to be familiar with this uh, well, let me, at some level. Let me go first because I'm older. Okay. <laughs> I can say that. Fair. But no... All right, so age before beauty. Um, <laughs> I guess either way. Um, either way, I win. <laughs> yeah, I am very ruggish. Yeah, looking, ruggish. So uh, maybe I'll go first. <laughs> so let's talk about Ganondorf. Right. Um, when I first met Ganondorf a long time ago, back in the mid to late '80s, uh, he only went by Ganon, and he kind of looked like you remember the if you ever uh, the Return of the Jedi, mm-hmm. the Gamorrean guards yeah. in Jabba's palace. Like, Ganon kind of looked like a Gamorrean guard. He was just yeah. a buff pig dude. But he, he could, like, teleport around and disappear and throw energy at you and yeah. stuff. And, like, that was my first encounter with him in the original Legend of Zelda. Yeah. And um, in the fir- in the very first game, they spelled his name with two N's, you know, G-A-N-N-O-N, but then they, they fixed it. Yeah. Because he's supposed to be G-A-N-O-N. Yeah. Uh, then later on, he became human or... or um, yeah. Than whatever his race is, but human. Yeah. And uh, Gerudo or something. Yeah, Gerudo, Gerudo, uh, Jason Derulo. Yeah. Um, and so then he became Ganondorf, and so his identity over the years 
has been kind of convoluted. Like, is he his pig thing? In one game, um, he was like a minotaur with two swords. Yeah, that's... Uh, well, he's like a pig minotaur. I've got the picture up here. That was the end of Ocarina of Time. Yeah, and... yeah, like the final fight. Yeah, the yeah. Fi- Giant minotaur-looking kind of thing. Um, now, in the canon of Ganon, mm-hmm. the, which has two ends, but Ganon has <laughs> one. Uh, in the canon of Ganon, uh, he has kind of two forms. Like, he has... The Ganon form, which is this beast mode, yeah, uh, and then he has his you know, humanoid form, which is Ganondorf, yeah, and he has a last name, but I can't remember what it is. Um, I think it's like it's. Cool. It was only referenced like once or twice in the I'm a, I'm in the history it. of it, because uh, it's it's pretty. But the original the original Ganon, and you're, you're going back to the mid to late eighties, right? Nineteen eighty six, the original Nintendo Entertainment System came out. Legend of Zelda, and Ganon was very much a uh, he had a very much a Bowser template to him. Yeah. Right. Like he was the monster. He you know he kidnapped the princess and he's trying to take over the Mushroom Kingdom. Yeah. You know whatever. <laughs> um, and he wants he wants the Triforce. Yeah. Right. And it's there's a lot of parallels between and this is this this kind of trope has been repeated throughout storytelling yeah. where you have the main bad guy he wants to rule he wants power he wants to destroy whatever and he, there's this thing that he has to acquire and usually the first thing he acquires is the whatever of power yeah. right so think of thanos right yeah. you know infinity wars is coming out and like the first gem that he acquires i believe is the power stone right yeah. And so, like, who's got the power stone? If he gets them all, we're all boned, right? Yeah. And so that's kind of what Ganon's deal was back in the original uh, Legend of Zelda. He had the Triforce of Power. And in the original, there was only two pieces to the Triforce. Weird. There was the, there was the, <clears throat> the Triforce of Power and the Triforce of Wisdom. Courage came later. Yeah. So it was like two Triforces. It wasn't like three pieces of one Triforce. Yeah. Uh, so Ganon had courage. Zelda, the princess, had wisdom, and she like divided it up into eight pieces. And so then Link was commissioned to go, you know, yeah. to go find the eight pieces. Yeah. So he had the ability to fight Ganon and, and beat Ganon, rescue the princess, and get the Triforce of, yeah. of Power, which he does, uh, as we know, as I know, because I did it personally <laughs> in 1989 <laughs> in my bedroom. Uh, I defeated Ganon, and uh, so that's kind of where he started. Yeah. Uh, and like I said, as he's as he's gone on, you know, he, he he turns out he's this formidable sorcerer. He's in his humanoid form. He's like seven and a half feet tall, yeah, something like that. Yeah, it's huge. It's terrifying. He can shape shift. We already knew he could teleport. Superhuman strength. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of this power came from because in, in a lot of the variants of the games, uh, he has the Triforce of Power. Yeah. Like it's just kind of a given usually that yeah. he has the Triforce of Power. Yeah. And. Usually you have to get it from him or whatever you have to do, but um, he can be—he's been depicted in different ways. Um, but really, the main thing about Ganon, Ganondorf, is that he's very powerful. Yeah. And when he has the Triforce of Power, he's even more powerful. Yeah. And to the point where only something of of great power, magical power, even maybe a divine artifact, yeah. uh, you know, like the the Master Sword. That Link has yeah. um, can hurt him or kill him or stop yeah. him. That you know conventional means don't stop this guy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's you know that's my understanding of Ganon, and um, you know Ganon, <laughs> Ganon. Uh, strangely enough, Ganon the pig. Yeah. 
um, really in the early you know early days of my video gaming uh, really brought my mom and I together and uh, became we became closer because of Ganon and mostly because my mom loved playing video games and so she was she was the master sleuth right okay like she would find all of the secret items all the magic items all the power ups she'd find oh. all the pieces she'd find the secret entrances like here's my, here's the thing about gaming and why I don't game very much video game much anymore it, because I don't like like my brain starts to hurt right people okay. think that I would love these like oh you'll love this game you got to solve puzzles and figure out things I'm like I don't want to do that you know <laughs> and it's not because I can't it's just because that I spend a lot of my time thinking about things yeah you know playing the intellectual role in my yeah. in my leisurely time you know, like I like to read, I like to study, I like to learn new things. And so when I play a video game, that's when I want to shut off. Yeah. So that's when I want to just play Mortal Kombat and just mat button mash and <laughs> Johnny Cage crotch punch for like over and over, you know, and just spam Liu Kang's bicycle kick. Yes. Like that's, I just want to shut my brain off. And so my mom would be the one who would solve all the things, but she had a hard time defeating the baddies. So I'd be the one to shoot the spider thing in the eye with the arrow, and I'd be the one that would eventually kill kill Ganon. But it was because of my mom. She's yeah. the one who actually found how to get to him okay. and get all the things together so that I had the ability to. So without my mom, Ganon would still be ruling uh, Hyrule. Yeah. Sense, so. so yeah. So my personal first experience would have been Ocarina of Time. Okay. So I got the N64 when I was a kid. I remember opening it, being excited. It came with Super Mario 64 and Legend of Zelda Ocarina, Ocarina of Time, however you want to say it. I don't think either one's technically wrong. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's a real thing. Yeah. I think it's Ocarina. I think but... it's an Ocarina, but yeah. I like Ocarina better because that's how I said it when I was a kid. Um, but my first interaction, obviously, was in the three-dimensional world, as you mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember thinking, that guy's kind of a jerk. Because, like, when you first meet him, it's like, oh, he's bowing to the king or whatever, and you're there with Princess Zelda in her room. It's just a big circular room, and she's standing there with her window into the throne room or whatever. And then, like, two days later, depending on, you know, in-game time or whatever, she's riding out with her bodyguard, and he's just chasing her down on a horse. I'm like, you're a grown man. She's a little girl. That's weird. Yeah, a little bit. And then, like, he knocks you around and she throws a, the special ocarina of time to you and you're like now you can go get the master sword and i was like what's that do and then i remember <laughs> because i was i was a little kid and i remember the little kid walking over he pulls the sword out and all of a sudden he's a big kid I'm like i'm a big kid now right <laughs> that's how you do it and so i remember you have to go through th- all the different temples to get the um, i believe it's the sages you have to get their medallions as you go through mm. For the longest time, I was stuck at the Water Temple. I think this is a common theme from what I've seen on the internet, is the Ocarina of Time's Water Temple is incredibly hard. So I didn't play for like four years, because I was like, I can't beat it. I don't know why I can't. And even I had my little brothers there, and they're like, you're our big brother. If you can't beat it, we can't beat it. And I was like, no, (laughs) it's fine. I went on to Majora's Mask, had a great time. That one's technically harder, but I was able to figure it out. But... That being said, I came back to it. A little older, a little wiser. I took a left instead of a right. I found the last treasure chest with a key, <laughs> and I was able to beat the water temple. And from there, it was smooth sailing. Nice. I was like, oh, I pick it up like riding a bike. 
I get through it. You go to Ganon's castle, which used to be the Hyrule castle, and then the sages make a rainbow bridge for you to cross, and you go across the rainbow bridge, and then you have to basically go through small dungeons of all the dungeons you just beat before you can get to him. Because okay. you have to cut off their power that's protecting the shield so you can go up and fight him. Mm-hmm. I remember doing all that, and then you go up the stairs, and there's this organ music playing, and it's red windows, and it starts dark, and as you get up to the top, the lights kind of get brighter and more red. And then you walk into the room, and he's sitting there, Princess Zelda's trapped in some crystal thing, and you realize he's the one that's been playing the organ the whole time. You're going through these dungeons, and this dude's just like, Playing an organ, he does not care. That's that's pretty dope, actually. <laughs> He's like, mm, whatever. Yeah, like, that's pretty hardcore. <laughs> Do your thing, man. I'm just gonna play the organ. And then and then he gets up and he like grunts at you and he's basically threatening you and he's using the Triforce of Power on you and your little fairy friend Navi's like, I can't help you here. You're kind of on your own. Like, there's nothing I can do. Yeah. Why? Just because it's just the power. He's work? Ju- yeah. He's just so strong. She's okay. like, I I can't help you. He she. I'm not sure what. It's a little ball of light. I'm not yeah, sure. I've seen it. Uh, I always said she, but... So you end up going into the fight, and then it's a giant room, and he shoots energy blasts at you, and you basically play tennis. Like, he shoots at you, you knock it back to him. Okay. You shoot, And then you go back and forth, so you hit him, he falls down, you chop him up. Well, he has this special move where he, like, charges up, and for the longest time I couldn't figure out how to dodge it. I still beat him, but I couldn't figure out how to dodge this move. Like, right. it would almost wipe you out instantly. And I was like, that's crazy. It was like rainbow and just shot a bunch of blasts at you. And it was like, how do I dodge that? Hmm. No, I, I still don't know how you dodge it. <laughs> Listeners, like, if you know how to dodge the rainbow blast, yeah. uh, please send us a message. Because <laughs> I'm going to go through them and be like, I got you now. Oh, finally. <laughs> I got you. But you beat him and he does not accept defeat the way he should. Like you're up there, he, he like coughs up. In the original game, um, he coughed up blood. Hmm. If you go and play it on, like, a 3DS now, I'm pretty sure it's, like, a green slime, like he's a monster. That's gross. But it was blood. I'm not sure. It's been a while since I played 3DS, but I remember blood. It was red. Right. And I was like, I got you now. And he, like, charges up this energy and just decides to explode. And so now you have to escape this castle uh, as, like, as everything's just, like, falling down around you. Okay. And you get to the bottom... And everything, like, you're standing at the entrance and the castle, like, implodes on itself. And so you get down there and in the middle, like, he gets up and he's, like, grunt laughing at you. And, like, you see, like, cracks in his skin and that's when he becomes a giant pig thing, mm-hmm. pig minotaur with two swords. Right. And so you're like, I just spent, like, 20 minutes fighting you. Yeah. And you're just going to be like, no, I'm just going to transform into this big dude with two swords who can only be killed with a weapon you get right then at the game. Princess Zelda's like, use this. And she gives you, you don't, when you start the fight, you don't even get, have your sword. Wow. Like, you don't even have the master sword. Like, he's chasing you around with these swords, and your only option is dodge. And then as, like, you progress, Princess Zelda tosses you the sword back, and then you can kill him. And it's really awesome. You chop his face, and then you stab it in his eye or something like that. And then that's how you win. Mm. And that's Ocarina time. That's Ocarina yeah. time. Okay. Speaking of Ocarina, uh, when you have a chance, uh, go to YouTube and look up Yablo, Y-A-B-L-O, right. and then just like Yablo Ocarina, and then you'll pull up this old 90s Sprite commercial about uh, Yablo, the master of the Ocarina, Okay. and uh, his greatest hits, including Baba Black Sheep, uh, My Babushka Baby, 
as well as traditional songs as Havana Nagila and The Girl from Plavdiv. Plavdiv. So, anyway, <laughs> um, it's the only other time I've heard the ocarina be referenced. Okay. And it's a funny commercial, so uh, go watch it, but not yeah. right now. Later. <laughs> so listen to this first. <laughs> yeah, then go watch Diablo, yeah. Master of the Ocarina, and uh, let his music fill your heart. I guess the thing I learned most from Ganondorf slash Ganon, because in that time they were the same thing. Right. Um, the thing I learned from him most is he is scary powerful. Like, yeah. like looking back at it now, because you have like all seven, is it seven sages? I can't, I can't, I can picture it, but I can't count it. Like it's blurry. Like the start menu screen that shows you how many of the levels you've beaten. Right. Um, but his minions that he basically cursed these temples with from his own essence are crazy strong. Like, obviously the game's meant to get, as you get close to the end, they get stronger, but mm-hmm. like in the forest temple, you fight Phantom Ganon, who has an ability, is basically an astral projection that can jump between paintings and shoot energy blasts on at you. Mm-hmm. Like, I was like, we really stepped it up from... You know, the first force fight you fight is a giant spider lady on the thing. You hit her in the eye with your slingshot right. three times, cut her, and then she she dies. This guy's like, oh, you think I'm going to come out of this painting? Nope, I'm going back in. Find which painting I'm going to come out of next. And if, you, if you're not looking at the right painting, I'm going to hit you. Right. And I was like, man, that's strong. Twilight Princess. I, I've, played, I've played all the Legend of Zelda games except for Four Swords. Okay. So there are many ways. Ganon is generally the bad guy. Either he's the bad guy or he's the puppet master to the bad guy. Right. Except for Skyward Sword, which is kind of the where I guess we could have started with Ganondorf. Mm-hmm. Um, it's basically why Link, Zelda, and Ganondorf exist. Okay. Link and Zelda actually existed before Ganondorf. So the whole story comes like the timeline exists because the goddesses made Hyrule and there was like the above like floating cities and then there's like a ground level and the ground level was kind of banished for people because it's where it's kind of philosophical like that's where all the bad stuff is like you you people that we created live up here the bad stuff is down here so don't go down here well they felt like a disturbance like something really bad was coming out and it turns out to be basically a demon god called Demise. Mm-hmm. And so you go on a quest to make this... At the time, they called it the Skyward Sword, but it was the Master Sword. Like, you had to... And I think... I'm trying to remember... Because in in the original, um, you could shoot lasers when your health bar was full. It kind of explains that, except you would, like... Because it was using the Wii motion controls, mm-hmm. so like you'd swing whenever you swung your sword. So if you held it up, lightning would strike it, and you could like shoot the laser at people, okay. which is pretty neat. Mm. But as you beat Demise, he's like, I, basically he curses Zelda and Link to live forever, but they're trapped in the cycle of fighting his incarnation on Earth for eternity. So if he comes back, those heroes will be born. And so that's basically that's why the cycle exists. If there's a Ganondorf, mm-hmm. there's going to be a Princess Zelda and a Link. So it's like Neo in the Matrix. Kinda. You know, it's like yeah, it's just going to continue. Version five, version yeah. six, like. 
Like that's, that's weird. You're going to fight each other for eternity, yeah. and it's like you're you might succeed every time. But that's why I love about the Legends of Zelda timeline. They have like three timelines now: Heroes Downfall, mm-hmm. Heroes Victorious, and then there's another one that I can't remember because I think that's the one Four Swords is on. I don't right. That game's weird. Um, I never played Four Swords. Yeah, I never played Four Swords either. Yeah. Um. So Ganondorf is. We're throwing him in the pit. We're throwing him in the pit. So he's gonna. When we get to our pit segment, Ganondorf will be in the pit waiting for the his opponent. His opponent, yes. So before we get to the opponent, do we want to hit the Crimson King? Yeah, the Crimson King. So I think this will be a shorter discussion. Yeah. Honestly, in Stephen King's literature and his in his writings, you know, like there's not a whole lot to say about the Crimson King. Really, I think. Yeah. I could be wrong. I'm not an expert on Kingology, but um, you know, where where the Crimson King might be best known is in the Dark Tower series, yeah. and uh, basically. There's a multiverse. Yeah. Like, Stephen King has created this entire uh, this entire multiverse within yeah. his, his fiction writing. He did it first, Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, we were doing multiverse stuff a long time ago. Yeah, but, yeah, but you, you know, yeah, Marvel didn't invent the multiverse, yeah. that's for sure. But So yeah, so Stephen King has this whole multiverse mythos going yeah. on in his writings. And, and de- depending on where you are in the multiverse... The Crimson King is is more or less this, this Satan. Yeah. Right. You know, horned, red-skinned monster. Uh, you know, in other parts, he's a you know, like like Ganon, Ganondorf. He's a shapeshifter. Yeah. Uh, kind of the epitome of evil, um, similar to the, uh, the the creature in It. Yeah. Uh, he's he can kind of take the form of whatever scares you the most. Yeah. Um, he likes to work behind the scenes. So this is why, like, there's not a whole lot to say about him, at least from my perspective, is because usually he's more of a puppet master. He's yeah. kind of behind the scenes. He likes to use other people to do his bidding yeah. and carry out his will and fulfill his cause. So it's it's very much the you know the the Emperor Palpatine, yeah. the Supreme Pizza Snoke. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's that kind of trope, right? Yeah. Where he's there's always a greater power controlling the minions and the acolytes and the, yeah. the apprentices to carry out this ultimate plan of whatever. So by the time you get to the Dark Tower series, you find out he's kind of gone insane, and he wants to destroy the Dark Tower. Okay. Uh, and the reason he wants to destroy the Dark Tower is because the Dark Tower kind of holds the multiverse together. It's kind of like this nexus point of you know where everything kind of hinges on this Dark Tower being there. And so the Crimson King wants to destroy it he's like mm, and done. yeah and so he kind of <laughs> wants to rule in whatever chaos or or disarray will happen after the dark tower is destroyed and the multiverse falls into chaos like yeah. he wants to he wants to he wants that yeah right um but yeah so he's he really is just this this embodiment of evil and like i said there's not a whole lot more to yeah. say about him. I mean, the I only the only thing i could really take away from it or my favorite little tidbit is twofold I, the description that i like the best about him was like because like when they when i first started reading about him like doing the research i was like oh so he's basically stephen king's devil right and so i immediately did like the stereotypical thought you know fork you know tongue mm-hmm. pit, horns pitchfork right well then i found some artwork of him where he's got like a single horn okay 
and like so he's a unicorn. Yeah, and then like a single fang, and I'm like, oh, I mean that's that's yeah. odd, but yeah. I, I appreciate it because it's odd. Right, it's different. Um, the second little tidbit was his paranoia of dying was so great that he killed himself so he couldn't be killed by conventional means. I was kind of like the person who shaves his head because he's going bald. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, oh, these people are all trying to kill me? Well, if I kill myself, you can't kill me. I'm like, well, you still died, but I used magic, so I can't. Yeah. So I'm still alive, but I'm not alive. Well, speaking (laughs) of magic, in in Magic the Gathering, I've seen players do that a lot. It's like, well, you're not going to kill me. I'm going to kill me. So they lightning bolt themselves. I've done it. Yeah, I've done it too. So (laughs) I can can empathize with the Crimson King on that. (laughs) I'm not giving you satisfaction. What I find interesting about the character, not necessarily the details of the character, but the concept of the character, is that when you think about our own religious systems Mm -hmm. in our world, in the real world, you know, we both come from a, a Christian background, yeah. you know, traditionally. And so we have this sense of like, you know, whether we believe it or not or not, it, it, we have this idea, like when you think of God, you almost automatically think of Satan, right? Yeah. And you think of kind of these, these I don't want to say dualistic because yeah. the, the Christian world doesn't have a dualism to it necessarily. Yeah. It has kind of like your prime reality, God, and then your deviation, yeah. right? Like Satan, the fallen angels, whatever, yeah. you know, uh, without getting too much into the yeah. theology, like it's kind of a deviation of yeah. what's good rather than like your yin and yang opposing yeah. forces. But what, what, I've, what I've appreciated about the Crimson King and other stories that have done a similar thing is that they take what we know and they add a layer to it. Like, you know, this person is what you would think of as Satan, you know? Like yeah. When... You know, when the Bible talks about Satan, they're really talking about the Crimson King. That kind of, you know, like there's been a lot of, you know, almost as if our understanding of reality is very limited. There's a multiverse out there, right? And so when people would write about the devil, they were really talking about the Crimson King or whatever evil baddie was manifesting themselves in our part of the multiverse. So I always appreciated that. I always like, you know, like, I think, and I, I'm on a quest to watch all of the X-Men movies. Yes. Because I haven't seen any of the newer ones. Like, I saw the first three, right? Like, X-Men, X2, and then X-Men 3, three. the bad one. Yeah. Um, I've seen those three. But I haven't seen any of the new ones with the sexy young actors yeah. playing Xavier and um, Magneto. Magneto. Uh, I want to because they are sexy. And then you got to watch them. Yeah. Um, back when Xavier had hair. Yeah. Um, but I haven't seen any of those. I yeah. saw like Wolverine Origins with the bad Deadpool. And I saw uh, the Wolverine without the bad Deadpool, yeah. like the better movie. Um, so I have seen those, but I haven't seen the newer ones. Like, yeah. uh, first, what's it called? I don't know. X-Men First Class. Yeah, those movies. I haven't seen any of those. I did see Logan though. That was um, really good. <laughs> but I, th- I believe, and you've seen them? Yeah. Okay. Doesn't Apocalypse kind of have that role too? Yeah. Where it's like I was, you know. Yeah. Because I've I've had the internet, so well, I kind of know some of what the story is. Yeah. So like it was sort of a um, that's he calls himself Apocalypse, and then almost in like it almost felt like in a joking way because like the bit the Bible was talking about how he would the end will come with four horsemen, four horsemen. of the of the apocalypse, yes. and so he comes back and like he's aware of that idea so he creates 
his horsemen. Okay. He takes these mutants and he's like, be stronger, be stronger, be stronger, be stronger. Okay. And he upgrades their mutant powers and you are the horsemen mm-hmm. of Apocalypse. Okay. And so he kind of borrows from it? Yeah. Okay. Well, like, he he's... There's, like, there were people who were like, you've heard him, like, they have this thing because they well, find I, him There was a Egypt. preview, right? Like, yeah. you heard that he was called this. Yeah. Yeah. But really, and, it's this guy. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's kind of yeah. what I'm going for with the Crimson King, right? Yeah. Like, he's known as Satan yeah. to our world. Yeah. Know, Earth 616 or whatever, <laughs> you know? Or what, what is it in, in uh, I think, I think it's 616. Is it in, um, Morty? Oh, Rick and Morty. Rick and Morty. What, C-137. C-137, yeah. yeah. So whether it's Earth-616 or Earth-C-137, <laughs> C-137. Yeah. like our Satan is really <laughs> this guy. Right? Mr. Sneed. Mr. Chris, yeah. Some cursed Sneed. artifact. <laughs> <laughs> is it Sneed? Feed? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> Mr. Feed. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, but I, I appreciate that aspect of it because then it makes you think about what is it that we really know about our own reality? Yeah. You know, like I've always been fascinated by the concept of the multiverse. Same. You know, like is there an, another world that's like ours, like a parallel dimension where, you know, everything is the same except, you know, I have blue hair or something. You know, like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, you know, I... I like Link is the bad guy. <laughs> yeah. Like there's a different world where Link's the bad guy and I'm actually using my college degree to get money. Like, you know, like maybe there's that kind of world out there, you know, but... I don't know, so I appreciate the Crimson King as a character just for that reason alone, uh, more than any particular point in the story itself. My my limited King knowledge has always been fascinated by his ability to thread his multiverse in almost a s- subtle way. Oh, sure. Like, like tiny little, like someone just happened to have a passing conversation with someone you know from another book. Yes. And I'm like... That's awesome because they're they're linked. We know for a fact that the things that happen here affect happen here. Yes, but none of those people are directly connected. Right. Right. And I found that fact. That yeah, and it's not nearly as heavy-handed as say if you were watch Lost. It's like this person was here and this person was there. It's like okay, you're forcing all this and there's no real reason why. Like it's very subtle and smooth. And, yeah, and I do appreciate that too. So, um, yeah, so that's the Crimson King. So. What about Raven? We, we, we want to talk about? I do. Let's talk Raven. about Raven. She, uh, uh, we're maybe, you have a format, I know. But I, <laughs> but, but I, wanted, to, I wanted to save uh, Christopher Lee because. Okay, that's fine. If I, one thing that is probably going to happen in this podcast is that the one person I want to talk about the most, I'm going to probably save for the last not counting the magic person, yeah. <laughs> since we're always doing the magic person last. But yeah. I really want to. I want to do Raven. We'll throw her in the pit, and then we'll talk about. Okay. We'll talk. If that's okay. No, that's I fine. Mean, I don't mean to no. hijack the podcast. No, I'm you're only the co-host. You're, you're fine. All right. Technically, we are my both co-hosts. Like, All right. We not, co-host. I just, I just, but I feel like my co is, is more co than it's, yours. Okay. Because like this is your microphone. Oh, this was fair. your idea. You, you know, like you got that's the fair. logo and the name, and <laughs> the email. Once whatever you know it is. Like, you did all that. All I did was come over and start talking. So it's really, like, you could replace me, and nobody would know. I think I think they would. They'd be like, what happened to the really smart guy that was talking? No, I just get someone else. But, uh... Or just use two different voices. Yeah. Just have the podcast yourself. <laughs> Talk to myself. I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Oh, that'd be an existential crisis waiting to happen. I'd listen to that podcast. <laughs> existential crisis for life. A sock puppet. That'd be amazing. <laughs> so, I here's the deal. I love Teen Titans. I love the cartoon. Yeah. And I used to read comic books, and I'm kind of a sort of a comic book fan. I'm really just sort of a muggle when it comes to most of, you know, like I kind of understand comic books and right. superheroes, but I don't know. I like the movies. I like, okay. I like the cartoon. I don't know much about Raven. So Raven, as far as Teen Titans or maybe even the entirety of the DC universe, maybe one of the most powerful beings. Okay. Um, so she has to win, right? Because we can't give a, we can't do a giveaway with the loser of the pit, right? Yeah, I, I so think, she has to win. Yeah. <laughs> because we're doing a giveaway, yeah, Raven. She, if we had a Ganondorf doll, yes. then like <laughs> Ganondorf would whip. Yeah. Since Raven was so, yeah. all right, so that's this. Let's so, move on. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> no, go on. I'm sorry. So her uh, abilities, based on her father Trigon, who would be basically the DC universe of satan um you know him as satan he's really trigon (laughs) yeah because he has three eyes he has like multiple eyes right yeah he has has, like six like three sets of eyes yeah is that why he's called trigon i guess i don't know okay i can i can i can click the link you Um, you talk i'm gonna look up trigon so (laughs) her her powers are based on her emotions and so she's always fighting this to go back to duality, like rage and anger are all like she always if she falls prey to anger and rage, she risks her father taking over and crossing into our world. Hmm. So she's like if you watching the show, you've probably seen her meditate and like she's usually pretty chill. Like she kind of talks with like a monotone voice. She's, like, very chill. That being said, her abilities get quite more quite more powerful Yes, okay. if she's angry because she gets to tap into that demon magic. Right. Like, it goes – she's, like, sitting at a yeah. 9. It takes her to 30. Right. So she runs in the family. Yeah. Right. Speaking of which – all right, so I'm on Wikipedia for Trigon. Uh, so let's see. Uh, at the age of 1, he ruled an entire planet. <laughs> At the age of six, he destroyed the entire planet, and by the age of 30, he held dominion over millions of worlds in his dimension. All of that without going to college. <laughs> All right? Yeah. So don't let the system tell you what to do with your life. Trigon was 30 and had millions of systems under yeah. his control. He was just like, these are mine now. That's right. Can you imagine if he had like, taken time off when he was 18 to 22 and went to college? He'd still be paying student loans back. Yeah. Go on. Sorry. Well... Her em- her empathic abilities lead her to, and she has like what they call the soul self, which is like whenever you see her use like the, her magic and like a raven, like energy raven comes around her, that is her soul self. Hmm. So it's outside of our reality, but it exists within. Okay. So my understanding so far is basically it's it's impenetrable as long as she can maintain the focus or wherewithal to keep her soul self out. Um, I'm sure if you, you watch Teen Titans, you've probably seen her in like the white 
So that's when she's like at peace. Like she's banished Trigon from her. She's she can use her powers without worrying about her father taking over. Mm-hmm. So her powers include Mark are not limited to telepathy, spell casting. Uh, she can control people's emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, pseudo intangibility. She can basically phase in and out of our dimension. Mm-hmm. Um, elemental magic necromancy and she can stop time so i was like that's always a fun bit of magic whenever you can manipulate the flow of time like i'm just gonna nope um i've never really dug too deep uh as to what she can like where all of like what her top feats would be I know that her soul self can, like, take damage equal to, like, the, our sun. Mm-hmm. Like, if it if it exploded, her soul self can tank it. And I'm like, well, that's kind of crazy. Like, mm-hmm. like how... But if she can tank it, how much farther can it go? Like, what can break it? And so, I don't know of anything that can, because she... To me, she shares a lot of similarities to where before DC did the New 52 reboot in comic books, where they had Superman. Mm-hmm. Like, he was only, as powerful as he was, he had developed mental blocks to where he couldn't reach his full potential. And I feel like that's how she is. Her emotions are blockages not allowing her to reach her full potential. Like, when Superman got rid of all the mental blocks, he was basically godlike. There was nothing he couldn't do. And then they were like, uh, we've written ourselves into a corner, reboot. <laughs> and so as far as newer stuff, I'm not sure where Raven falls, but everything I could find about her, she's crazy powerful. Like, I can't... She hard, She's very Doctor Strange-esque as well. Like, her magic comes from other dimensions. Okay. But based on her emotion. Right. So the potency, I guess, is based on her emotional state. Are diff- the different emotions are, are different emotions stronger in terms of what they both have their strengths and weaknesses. I feel like from what I read was like anger and rage. Mm-hmm. Her offensive magic sure. would be more powerful there, but she would be more she would be more vulnerable. Whereas like when she's the White Raven, when she's at peace, she's like maxed out tier to where she can basically superman like right. but with magic okay so we throw her in the pit yeah with ganondorf yep who we got so i, I it, as we transition flawlessly into to our pit. segment called <laughs> the pit <laughs> yeah insert cool fighting sound effect yeah. here that we don't have <laughs> 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 Uh, we'll, we'll figure something probably, probably won't figure it yeah. out. We'll, we'll find something. I don't yeah. know. That'd be cool. Though. All right, so entering the pit, we have on one side Ganondorf. Mm-hmm. And on the other side, we have Raven. Yes. I honest. Okay, so I think hands down, if it came down to just power alone. So let's just say Ganondorf with the Triforce of Power, and we'll put Raven at her peak without... Trigon's influence will White Raven. Alright. I would based on canon lore, 
mm-hmm. I would have to give it to Ganondorf because it's written in his lore that he can't be killed except by with a sacred weapon. Okay. That being said, I find that that rule is kind of flawed. So I think putting him without that, it would still be a great fight because mm-hmm. I feel like Raven would, you know, beat him down. He would beat her down. She would take, she would take out his human form relatively, relatively without too much. Like there would be struggle, but it wouldn't. So it'd be Raven versus Pig. Yeah, at the end it would be Raven versus Pig, which I don't. I still think Raven would win just based on her intangibility and her ability to. Right. She's very combat savvy. She's right. smart. She's telepathic. She she can stop time. Hmm. So like, if she can stop time and she can continue to move, she's. That this was that's top this, this was a theme in our last pit yeah. fight. Like I didn't <laughs> I didn't know that until I was doing research and it was like powers and abilities. Yeah. Time immobilization. You I can was stop like, time. <laughs> you definitely have an advantage yeah. in the pit. Yeah. Um I'm gonna try to find people who don't, but I feel like that's just an easy like <laughs> wizard thing to like yeah. write in there. Chronomancy. Boop. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I think Taking out that he can only be killed with special weapons. Right. Raven would be victorious. So Raven just has more raw powers. Yeah. She's just a stronger character. She it would take her. It just al- depends on how literal the clause is in Ganondorf's lore that says yeah. he can't be killed except except by sacred yeah. weapon or special weapon. Now, one thing she could do, as one of her abilities, is she can trap people in her soul self. She puts them away in a pocket dimension forever. So I think if she could beat him down enough to where she could boop Mm -hmm. and just, is that technically, did she kill him? Is it a fight to the death in our pit or is it a, I win because. Well, we didn't really set the rules. Um, I don't know if, I think it just depends on the fight. Um, It depends on the fighters. Would, would these two fighters fight to the death you know, like Harry Dresden versus Doctor Strange in our first pit fight. Yeah. I don't think that would be a fight to the death. That'd be yeah. a fight to the whatever, you know. Yeah, until someone um, was knocked out. Yeah. Uh, where Raven and Ganondorf might be a fight to the death. Yeah, I know? think... But I think if you trap somebody in a, a pocket dimension for forever, that's yeah, I think almost that's, worse, right? Yeah, like, like, kill me, right? Like, if... If he can't if he can't die except for by sacred weapons and he has to spend his entire life in a pocket dimension that the only person who can let him out is her. Right. Like, I believe if she died, the pocket dimension still exists and there's just no door. That's scary. <laughs> so like if she gets old and dies, he's just trapped there. So I think that that's Hmm. I think So we given it we calling it officially I, for Raven? I, I think Raven has to win that one. I don't, And not just because we have the pop figure yes. giveaway, but because... Because I, I needed yeah. to make the fight fair and not just be... Because if he can only be killed by right. the sacred weapon, then right. he's eventually yeah. going to outpace her. Right. Well, this is this is the the thing about like One Punch Man, right? Yeah. Like he's supposed... His whole, the whole character arc is that he can't lose. Yeah. So like if we ever put One Punch Man in the pit against anybody he's supposed to win yeah right but like how literal are you taking yeah. that you know honestly i'll take it as super literal because i think yeah. you should win every fight but that's, that's well yeah you know in one punch one punch <laughs> yeah exactly very right. cool all right so the winner of the pit 
Raven. Raven. Right. Yeah, sounds I good. Think. By technicality, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> By being fair. <laughs> yeah, being fair. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like a, yeah, kind of like a, a, a non-legally binding contract. <laughs> so we got around it. Very cool. Yeah. So Semantics. Let's move on now, because one thing we like to do uh, is we like to discuss a real-life wizard. And this one I am very excited about. I've been excited about it ever since we first thought about uh, when Joe first talked to me about doing a podcast like this, I wanted to talk about this guy uh, because there's a few things in my life that I really, really love, right? I'm an old school horror movie guy. I love like old school movies, horror movies, vampires, zombies, where well, like all of it. And this guy is the consummate old school vampire, right? He is in my heart, Count Dracula, Yep. right? Uh, he was Count Dooku in the Star Wars prequels. And Star Wars is something else very near and dear uh, to my heart. And I'm a big fan of the Lord of the Rings movies. Um, I'm not the not a literature snob. We talked about that yeah. in the last episode. Uh, but I love the movies, and I love him in this role as Saruman. Yeah. And, of course, we are talking about Christopher Lee. Christopher Lee, who was born uh, May 27th, 1922, and died June 7th of 2015... Rest in peace. Rest in, he rests in power. Yeah, rest in power. Until he rises again to rule. And I, I for one, uh, welcome our vampire overlord. Uh, English actor, singer, author. Uh, had a career that spanned about 70 years or so. Just amazing. Yeah. Uh, he was known for best known for portraying villains. Uh, best known for his role as Count Dracula in the sequence of Hammer horror films. Uh, newer, young, newer people. <laughs> people who aren't as old. Uh, newer models. <laughs> Uh, younger people may know him as Sauron from the Lord of the Rings movies, the Peter Jackson films, and as Count Dooku from episodes two and three of uh, the Star Wars trilogy. Uh, he lived quite a life, and if anyone is a real-life wizard, it would definitely be Christopher Lee. Uh, he was knighted in 2009 yep. for his works of charity. Uh, he recorded various opera and musical pieces in his life. Uh, this mm. is pretty awesome. He made a symphonic metal album in 2010. Charlemagne by the sword and the cross. Now, can you imagine in him saying that in his voice? I, I, I can't. I, uh, he made a follow-up metal album, Charlemagne, Omens of Death, on May 27th, 2013, which was his 93rd birthday. What's awesome about this is that he's a direct descendant of Charlemagne, which is just kind of cool. Okay. All right. Now, he also made a metal Christmas album in 2012. All right. So, if you just go to YouTube, you like Christopher Lee metal you know, heavy metal, and you'll get a piece of this symphonic metal that he made. He made two. It's pretty cool. But he's in his 90s, and he's making heavy metal music. Uh, That's pretty he even metal. Won, he even won, like, a heavy metal award in 2010. It was pretty cool. Uh, he entered into the Guinness Book of World Records for most screen credits, and that, was, that wasn't at the end of his career. So he went on to have even more <laughs> screen credits after he was entered into the Guinness Book. Uh, during World War II, Lee joined the Royal Air Force, but wasn't allowed to fly because of a problem with his, with his optic nerve. So he became an intelligence officer for the Long Range Desert Patrol, uh, a forerunner of the SAS, Britain's Special Forces. He fought Nazis in North Africa, uh, often having up to five missions a day. Uh, during this time, he helped retake Sicily, prevented a mutiny among his troops, contracted malaria six times in a single year, and climbed Mount Vesuvius three days before it erupted. So dude's had quite a life, man. Like He like, was on Mount Doom. 
Yeah, he was literally <laughs> on Mount Doom, and he was killing Nazis. Yes. Like, he's done it all, right? He spoke six languages. He was an expert in fencing, which if you look at Count Dooku's saber style and the way the blade, like, the handle is, is curved, yeah. it's designed for a fencer. Uh, makes sense. And yeah, so that's, he was an that's expert crazy. in fencing. Uh, he was a Bond villain. He was what? Scaramanga in The Man with the Golden Gun. <laughs> all right. Uh Chris Lee was a step-cousin of Ian Fleming, who was the creator and author of James Bond, which is interesting. All right. Uh, Christopher Lee actually met J.R.R. Tolkien. All right. Yeah. And Tolkien actually gave his blessing to Christopher Lee that at some point in the future, you know, he could actually portray Gandalf. So he wanted to when Peter Jackson was making the movies, but... Peter Jackson was like, dude, you're Christopher Lee. Like, you need to be the bad guy. <laughs> yeah, he so, is. <laughs> and quite a bad guy he was. Yeah. Right? Like, uh, let's be real here. <laughs> yeah, so here's this is actually pretty hardcore, right? So it's you know, like a 90-year-old dude making heavy metal music uh, who was killing Nazis back in the day. During his death scene in Return of the King, and this you've only seen this in the extended edition, yeah. uh, director Peter Jackson was describing to him what people getting stabbed in the back, should, what sound they should make. Right, and then Lee responded that you know he's I've seen people get stabbed in the back, I know exactly what they sound like. <laughs> so he had to kind of make a little correction to yeah, Jackson. He's like, I've 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 I seen see this. <laughs> I know what someone getting stabbed in the back sounds like. Yeah. He may have stabbed a few people in the back. Yeah. Probably did some yeah. Nazis. I mean, you know, nowadays we're like, you know, should we punch Nazis? He was stabbing Nazis. Yeah. He was killing Nazis. He was he's just an awesome awesome dude with quite yeah. a life. Um, imagine if he had gone to college. <laughs> imagine if he had fell for the system, man. No. <laughs> Theme of the show, don't go to school. Um, but no, he has such a, an incredible life, uh, a full life, uh, a true adventurer, you know? like. Yeah. And if anyone could be a real-life wizard, it would be him, right? Yeah. Because he had the brains, I mean, he had the, 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 the might, you know, yeah. he had the, the gumption. And when you're in your 90s and you're recording heavy metal, you know, like that's... I'm, I'm convinced you are a wizard. He, I think he is a wizard. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, so, yeah, he's a, quite a guy. And so I was very happy to rattle off all those Christopher Lee <laughs> facts. So, yeah. So yeah, that's... His full name was Sir Christopher Frank Carandini Lee. Yep. For what that's worth. So, yeah. I've... The thing, the thing that I listening to you describe it, the thing that was crazy to me was is like, oh, so I can't fly. All right then, I'll just be you know the smartest guy. Right. Yeah. And then, you know. Oh, Nazis? Yeah. Let's just we'll go to North Africa. I'll take care of it. Right. <laughs> yeah. The dude was just super. He just, just don't worry about it. I've yeah. got it. <laughs> yeah. Super great guy. You know, gave the charities. Like, loved playing the villain. I think he was good at playing the villain, yeah. but was a super good guy in real life. Yeah. So, I, so much respect to Christopher Lee. Respecto so. mucho. Yeah, and in fact, speaking about the original Nintendo Entertainment System, when the first Castlevania came out, uh, there was an end credits. You know, kind of like it rolled like an old-time movie, Okay. Right? So, like, you beat Dracula or whatever, and then you win, and then the credits roll. And it had these, like, mock actors who were portraying the people in the in the movie quote unquote in uh, Castlevania and they didn't use the real names they used like plays they played off of the names so the Chris, oh, Christopher Lee was actually Christopher B okay B-E-E, in Castlevania but it was a little homage like they, okay. did, they did all that for, like Bela Lugosi and 
you know, Lon Chaney and all that. They just changed the names a little bit. And so okay. Christopher Lee's little mini tribute at the end of Castlevania. Was That's that pretty neat. Yeah, Christopher B. So, all right. Yeah. Little trivia for you, NES fans out there. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that. So, yeah. So, that is one of my favorite people ever, Christopher Lee. And that gets us to the segment of the show where we transition to our Magic the Gathering portion. Yeah, the part where we'll talk for Yeah, hours. so this is the part that, <laughs> well, maybe. Yeah. The, the the character that, that you chose, Joe, uh, Riku of Two Reflections. Yeah. There isn't a whole lot yeah, about the guy. There isn't. So I, you have to <laughs> dig it. a little deeper. And yeah. I, I, there's a few things that I want to bring up when it comes to Riku. So we move now into our Magic the Gathering section where you either have fast-forwarded to get here because you only like magic. Yeah. Or you're now about to... Yeah. You've already turned off the podcast because you don't know anything about magic. Well, here, Either way, we're still going to talk. Yeah, if, if you fast forward to get here because you like magic, the podcast is called Wizards and Wisdom. Like, yeah. the whole thing has magic in it. This is just the card game. That's like, right. Like, if you, if you like magic, listen to the other bits because there's magic in it. There is. <laughs> you don't miss the wisdom. Like, yeah. like not going to college. Yeah, that's, that's, that's probably the, the smartest piece of advice yeah. you've ever that given. Might be the, that may be the title of the episode. <laughs> yeah. Episode two, Don't Go to College. Don't kids. Go to College. <laughs> So, uh, do you want to go first? What did you do? Well, basically, you find Riku? basically, I, I, first I picked him because I look at the art, mm-hmm. and I love it. Oh yeah, like I love the artwork for the card, and then I love I love the abilities because it's it's. I believe it's his first one. I can't remember which one's first now. One of them, you get to copy the spell. Mm-hmm. Well, I've got the card get... here. So, whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, you may pay blue-red. If you do, copy that spell, you may choose new targets. And then, the second ability is whenever another non-token creature enters the battlefield under your control, you may pay green-blue. If you do, put a token that's a copy of that creature on the battlefield. See, I just, I love both, I love both those abilities because in his colors, green-blue-red, that makes him just very good. I, I can't think of any other words. Just, yeah. I think he's really good. I love the artwork. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, I was... Magic has lore. Yes. And when I see a card like that, I have questions. Why does he? Why is he of two reflections? Right. Why is one dude two people? Right. <laughs> and right. so when I picked that card, I was, I was hoping for more. Like I was hoping to find a lot of you yeah. know, like mostly just fan fiction. Yeah. But well yeah, as far as official this is what Wizards has said about Riku. Uh, there's like one article about these these characters, these legendary creatures yeah. from the commander set. Yeah. And when it comes to Riku two reflections, it said that Riku has two had two passions the study of spellcraft and the study of life. The mage could never choose, but had no time to master both. Uh, through an ancient illusionist spell, he found the solution. He secretly split himself into two reflections. And each Riku trained and studied for years in its chosen field. So he split himself in half. Yeah. One went off to study the spellcraft. One went to study life. Yeah. Right? And so then, today Riku is hailed as a master of both disciplines, and few know his secrets. The reflections never stray far from each other, and when danger threatens, enemies face the power of both Rikus. Yeah. So that's really all that Wizards gives us yeah. as far as Riku. Now, when you look at the art, you see two Rikus, right? Yeah. One is holding, looks like a wand or something. or a. Well, it, it, I think it's all connected. It is. If you look at, like, it's like a wand or a chain or something, 
and there's like a on the left hand side, our left, there's yeah. a red red flame, a red energy coming off of it, and it's linked to a circle that has like a blue energy coming off it in the center. The other Riku on our right has a green energy coming off of it. So I think Riku is actually of a lot of the legendary commanders, especially the teamer commanders like Maelstrom Wanderer yeah. and uh, Animar. I think he has the most flavor. Yeah. And if you look at his art, you see in the center where the two things connect, there's the blue. Yeah. Which makes me think that blue is his central color. Yeah. Right? Like, if you remember, like, Khans of Tarkir, the, the clans of Khans, they were all three-color clans, the yeah. wedges, right? But every clan had a base color that was the center color, and then the other two colors kind of were yeah. the, the two, you know, peripheral colors. Like, uh, the Jeskai were primarily blue, I think. And, yeah. Uh, Mardu was primarily red, right? Yeah. Even though they were the other yeah. all three colors, right? So if you look at Riku, you see blue is in the middle, and then one half has red, one half has green. Which means that when he split himself, he went to study those two disciplines. Yeah. So the blue mage split himself in two. One went and studied, and now he came back with red. The other one studied life, right? Yeah. Came back with green. If you look at his abilities, one ability is blue-red. Mm -hmm. The other ability is green and blue. So yeah. blue is in both, right? Yeah. And then one ability is the one half, or the one Riku. The other ability is the other Riku. So my whole thing about Riku is that I think he started his life or at least his mage work as a model blue. Like, if we ever got a second Riku, like Riku, uh, you know, high school Riku. Yeah, like the single reflection. Pre <laughs> yeah, pre-college Riku, whatever. Uh, he would just be, like, he'd be looking in the mirror, right? Huh? Yeah. You know, but he'd be mono blue, I believe, based I, on I his would, art, I would agree based with on that. his abilities, right? Uh, I think he was mono blue at the start of his personal quest for knowledge, which honestly is a very blue thing to yeah. do. Right? So what does Riku do in this very blue quest for knowledge? He splits himself in two. Now, the, the, the circle is complete. You come, the, yeah. the two halves rejoin, right? One went and studied spellcraft. One went and studied life. They come back. Now he's a teamer. Or they're, you know, the two, two reflections of Riku are teamer. They're green yeah. and red. And together they're blue. Yeah. So that's... You know that that's what I find by looking at the art and the abilities is that Riku's blue. Yeah. He's blue, through and through, and he learned the red and the green, and that's where he's able to incorporate that for the magic that he yeah. uses now, with the knowledge that he has acquired over the years from splitting himself in two. Yeah. So I think not only is he the most flavorful of the commanders, I also think honestly he's the one commander I've never built in Teamer. Like I have a, I have two Maelstrom Wander decks. Yeah. I used to have an Animar deck. Uh, then I gave it to who's now an ex-girlfriend, but that's mm -hmm. fine. I wasn't like I'm not mad. Um, but you know, like Animar is like play a lot of creatures, right? Yeah. And Maelstrom Wanderer is I don't know, just do broken things because yeah. Maelstrom is broken. But I think honestly, Riku might be the most powerful of the three. Yeah. If it's used right. Yeah. Uh, it, it just I mean, you can just copy spells, you can copy creatures, like just once with enough mana, you have the ability to do so much broken stuff with Riku. I had I had a Riku deck. Mm -hmm. Currently, he sits <laughs> he sits in a place he probably probably to you doesn't make sense, but to me I love it because I like the ability to make more. He's sitting in my sliver deck. Riku is in your sliver deck. Is in my sliver deck. An honorary sliver. Yep. Because I'm sitting there and I'm like, you know, you know what's great about making one sliver, making two. Well, that just sounds like his flavor text, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, what's he has? There's two flavor texts accredited 
attributed to Riku. One is from Command Beacon. Basically, he's like, I looked at the light, and now it's, I can't get it out of my mind, and I have trouble sleeping, right, basically. Yeah. Um, magmatic Force. Uh, we talked about this before we started yeah. recording. Uh, magmatic Force is a 7-7 seven, seven elemental, costs 8, 5, and 3 red. Uh, beginning of each up, he upkeep, Magmatic Force deals 3 damage to target creature or player. And so Riku's flavor text there is, granted, it's the pinnacle of utter destructiveness, so what would you call two of them? Yeah. Right? Which, I mean, it doesn't really tell you much about Riku. Like, if he were an old-school Batman villain, <laughs> like, he would just keep making puns like that. Yeah. You know? I'm like, oh, that, uh, I made you look twice, Batman! You know, like... <laughs> uh, did a double-take that time, yeah. I, I put him... Double trouble! <laughs> for the Cape Crusaders. Yeah. <laughs> I, put, I put him in the Sliver deck because I always found that there are... Um, there are some slivers that always get taken out first. Mm-hmm. And I like having that. You sit Rik- When people see Riku in the sliver deck, they're immediately confused. Right. They're like, that's not a sliver. Why is he there? Right. But then when I turn around and I cast uh, Megantic Sliver, mm-hmm. the slivers get all slivers you control get plus three, plus three. Right. And I make a second one for just two more mana. Right. Now all my slivers get plus six, plus six. And right. you kind of start to see why he's in there. Like, right. I don't. He's he's not you know needed. Right. I just like because I like the card. Right. That's why he's in there and that ability's fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what? You've been looking at Dominaria spoilers. Mm-hmm. So. And now there's no slivers on in it. Yeah. On, yeah, I know. That's that's sad. <laughs> <laughs> there's these the two cards in in Dominaria. Uh, kind of throwbacks to. Counterspell and Lightning Bolt, right? Wizards, whatever. And yeah. I, I'll, I'll look it up. But um, it's uh... it's the flavor text that... So there's there's Wizards Lightning, uh, which is two and a red. Uh, the spell costs two less. You control a wizard. deals three damage. So it's Lightning Bolt yeah. to the wizard, right? Uh, and then the, the flavor text on it is from Naban, Dean of Iteration. It says, The study of magic began when the first mage taught herself to throw lightning. Right? Then Wizard's Retort, which is one and two blue, uh, costs one less. You control a wizard, counter-target spell. So basically, if you have a wizard, it's counter-spell. Yeah. And then Navan, Dean of Iteration, has this flavor text. It says, the second mage learned to dissipate blasts of lightning, threat, and response. Thus did the study of magic progress. So when you look at the five colors of magic, and again, just looking at these two cards makes me think about, like, when magic started being magic in the lore of whatever, yeah. you go back to like the primeval, primordial times, right? Yeah. It seems like there was, like the first magic seems like it was red and blue. Yeah. Right? Now, what does this have to do with Riku? I don't know. I could be off base on this, but I'm just kind of speculating. Because it said that Riku split himself in two, made two reflections. One went to study life, which that's the green, yeah. right? The other one went to study spellcraft. Yeah. And that one came back as red, right? Mm-hmm. So when you think about like spellcraft and magic, you might think of all five colors of magic, and then even colorless now, yeah. so you have like the Eldrazi and Ugin and, yeah. and Karn and whatnot. Yeah. But it seems like in the very earliest forms of magic, when magic started taking shape, the like spellcraft anyway was blue and red. Yeah. Right? It was red, attack, no, don't. Yeah, just yeah, just you know, attack and response, right? Yeah. Just like in the in the text, and so, it, and I, I always wanted to delve a little deeper into it. I wonder if like the very first magic was colorless, 
and then it started getting like splintered into colors. That makes sense. You know, because like when you look at the way colorless mana is used, it has a little bit of everything, right? It can yeah. exile, it can take cards out of your hand, it can deal direct damage, it can make you sacrifice things, it can give minus X, right? It can um, make copies of things. Yeah. And then if you even take like the devoid mechanic, then you've got, you know, even though you're using colored mana to produce these spells, these spells themselves are colorless yeah. and they're doing all sorts of things, yeah. right? So then it just, it makes me think that when you get to the, the beginning of time of magic, at least the, you know, there's magical force and then there's the manipulation of magic that we understand to be spellcraft, yeah. right? So it, to me, it's like in the, in the world of Magic the Gathering, and this is all conjecture right now. Yeah. But just based on what I read in those flavor texts, looking at Riku, Riku goes to study spellcraft. He was already a blue mage. I'm convinced he was a blue mage yeah. from the beginning. Yeah, I When he goes agree. to spell, study spellcraft, like, I'm a wizard, Harry. Yeah. He comes back as a red mage, right? When he goes to study life, he comes back as a green mage. Yeah. Right? So then if he went to study, I don't know, order or law, you know, or light... That yeah. he'd come back with light. If he went to study death or necromancy or you know, like yeah. then he'd come back as a black mage, right? But he wanted to study life and he wanted to study spellcraft. That's yeah. interesting to me. Uh, and he comes back as a red mage with the spellcraft. Yeah. So just no, looking at those totally green. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, and, and and depending on how you use the word spellcraft, I said I mean simply like how spells get how magic gets manipulated in the spells, yeah. right? Like, we know it invented fire, right? Fire was a thing. Yeah. We just learned how to bring the kid together the the ingredients, the necessary causes to create mm -hmm. fire, right? There's three things, three necessary conditions, right? Yeah. Now, let me back up a little bit. All right. Okay. In logic, you have the distinction between a necessary condition and a sufficient condition, right? Okay. A sufficient condition simply says this is net. This is all. It, this is enough. Yeah. Right. So let's say like I punch you in the face. Now you have a headache. Right. So that punch in the face you could say is a sufficient condition. Is it necessary? Like is it if you get a headache does it necessarily mean I punched you? No. You no. could have a headache because you were staring at your computer or because you yeah. sat up too late or because you had too much caffeine or whatever. So there's plenty of sufficient causes, sufficient conditions. But none of them are necessarily necessary. Yeah. Right? But there are certain things that if you want to produce an effect, there are certain things that are necessary. So, for example, fire, right? So the necessary conditions for fire are oxygen, uh, heat, and fuel, right? And yeah. enough of each, right? If you take one of those away, you don't have fire, Correct. right? So if you have heat and the fuel, but not the oxygen, like in a backdraft scenario, like someone like the like a room is on like, you know, is on fire, so to yeah. speak. But there, it's just not you know. You open the door and the oxygen hits it, and boom, that's yeah. caused that backdraft. Uh, that's what happened when the third element, the third condition is is brought into it, right? Okay. Uh, so but if you take away it, like you have the fuel and the oxygen, like we technically for most of us we have that all the time. Yeah. Right. Like, I could be set on fire. <laughs> you <Yeah. know>? My clothing <laughs> right could be set on fire. I have the fuel, right? Yeah. And there's always oxygen around. What's missing is sufficient heat to set me aflame, right? Yeah. Um, so all three of those things are needed to create fire, right? Yeah. So when you think about the necessary conditions for casting a spell, okay? okay? 
like fire, like I said, we never we never invented fire. We just yeah. kind of discovered it, probably on accident when one of our distant cousins accidentally caught on fire and died, <laughs> uh, you know, or get hit by lightning or something. Like, yeah. You know, something happened. So I'm like, that'll we, be useful. Yeah, we learned how to manipulate it and even produce it when putting the right conditions together. Yeah. So now we look at the magical world. Okay. Say, so, okay, spellcraft then is kind of like creating a fire, right? Like, what are the conditions that I need to produce this and control it and manipulate it, right? We didn't invent magic. Correct. We just take that force, that uh, that power that exists on the, the plane, and we learn how to manipulate it and create it and use it. So then you get to the original, like, who was the very first spellcaster, right? Well, whoever it was, according to that flavor text on those two new cards coming out in Dominaria, they were chucking lightning, and then they were blocking lightning, right? Yeah. So they were learning how to control and manipulate, create, control, manipulate the flame, basically, yeah. the lightning or the energy. You know, so then as spellcraft evolves, then you talk about manipulating life. You talk about... You know, raising ghouls or yeah. raising the dead or, you know, manipulating forces from the celestial realm or yeah. planes walking or, you know, your spell book becomes way more complicated and way more sophisticated. Yeah. You know, just like the card game of magic, right? If you look yeah. at the alpha magic set and compare that to the sets that have come down the line, things have gotten way more sophisticated <laughs> yeah. back in the day when Sarah Angel was the the predominant force in the game, right? Yeah. Like, you remember, like... There was a deck known as the deck, and it was a control deck. It's just like, you can't do this. And the win condition was like two Sarah Angels. That was it. All right. Because back then, Sarah Angel was enough, right? Yeah. Nowadays, Sarah Angel is an uncommon yeah. <laughs> that sometimes doesn't even get put in the regular set. Yeah. They put in kind of the supplemental free product that you give to new players. Like, here's yeah. your Sanger Vampire, here's your Arrow Elemental, here's your yeah. Sarah Angel, here's your Mahamuri Jin, like yeah. that kind of thing, right? Because no one plays them in constructed magic competitively yeah. at all. Hey, there's one of my call you deck. Well, hey, I, hey. <laughs> Sarah Angel is what got me into magic, right? It was the Douglas Shuler art that first got me in the game. So I have I have a great love and appreciation for Sarah Angel. All I'm saying is that things have gotten more yeah more sophisticated, more advanced. If you if you ask someone in the game now for an angel that's not going to be the first one they're going to talk about right for the same mana cost you can get bane slayer angel yeah. you can get archangel of thune right there's there's you know even uh karmic guide <laughs> yeah. you know? like there's a lot of things you can get that are going to outclass a sarah angel that used to be the win con that used yeah. to be how you won magic back in the day um so riku makes me think about the beginnings of magic right because yeah. he went to study spellcraft. At least one reflection is went to study spellcraft. And he came back as a red mage. He was already a blue mage. So it's like, that seems to me, red seems to me the primordial color, I think, of yeah. magic. Right? Maybe colorless, but I, I, I feel like red, out of all the colors of magic, seems like, at least with spellcasting, yeah. is kind of like, you know... I pick up rock, I throw it, I have a tool now. Yeah. Right? It's not a scalpel that you use for surgeries. Yeah. You know? It's not a filleting knife that you would use as a chef. It's not a katana that you'd wield in combat on the battlefield. It's just a rock. Right? Yeah. So, like, the very first spellcraft was just, like, zap, zap, boom, boom, blah. Yeah. Right? Like Michael Bay <laughs> of movie, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then as, as magic got a little more sophisticated, it's like, you keep throwing this rock at me. I'm a 
have put up this bigger rock as a shield. Yeah. No, but yeah. My, nope. Yeah. It's my no. lightning bolt. No. no. Yeah. <laughs> so like that's you know. So it makes sense for Riku. The first pit. Makes yeah. <laughs> when Riku says I'm gonna go study spellcraft, he comes back as a red mage, not a white mage, not a black mage. Yeah. But then he goes, I'm gonna go study life. Then he comes back as a green mage. So. Here's here's a question about Riku. Uh-huh. Okay, so what's the downside to the magic that he used to split himself? The downside? Yeah, like you you think of magic that powerful to split a person in two, mm-hmm. you would think there'd have to be some sort of. Well, and we don't have enough knowledge about Riku to know, like, do, do they share a mind? Yeah. Like, are they linked kind of psychically or, you know, are they hive mindish? We know We know they don't travel too far away from each other. Right. If you kill one, does the other die? Yeah. You know, does the other half know what the other half knows? Because, or... see, that's something, I, that's something I thought about. I was like, how far can he take this? Yeah. Like, can his halves split? Oh, man. And then he's like, I'm going to come back with some white and black magic. And I'm just going <laughs> to... <laughs> yeah. I am your god now. <laughs> Everyone's like, all right. <laughs> yeah. He is Riku of the five reflections. Yeah, that's interesting. And it's, I don't think it's a question that, that I can answer because I, we don't have enough yeah. info on Riku. Um, I think he could do it, though. I mean, probably, <laughs> he probably could. If anyone could, Riku yeah. could. Um, what's interesting is that it, it, it seems like when Riku split into two reflections, it wasn't that he halved himself. Yeah. Because it's like one half, one reflection mastered the red, and one ha- one reflection mastered the green. It was like... But they still both had already mastered blue. Yeah. And so if he hadn't split and just went one way or the other, he would have had the same mastery. Yeah. Because as he split himself, now he's got mastery from both sides. Yeah. Right? And so that makes me think that, well, when he split himself or when he was split into the two reflections, he didn't, he neither half yeah. lost anything. Yeah. So which was do, my thought. Yeah. Could he do that again? Yeah. Maybe. Um, you know, you have like a like planet Riku or something. Yeah. Uh, and that'd be an interesting path to go. You, you never know if they're going to take these characters and go anywhere yeah. with them because they're just these supplemental characters, kind of yeah. like Arcanus, you know, yeah. you know was, uh, we talked about him last week and, and he's not really a main character or a plot device ever. He's just a there and you can kind of use him, but I don't see Riku. I will say this though, listeners, please stop saying, see, please stop saying that Riku is from Kamigawa. All right, he's not from Kamigawa. <laughs> I don't know where he's from, but the only reason you say he's from Kamigawa is because he's Asian. Right? Oh, his name's Riku. I was yeah. from Kamigawa. Stop it! Stop it! Stop! No. All right. Now I heard, I saw one uh, message board. Say that he was from Chandelar, but I don't. That's not confirmed. I don't know. Yeah. It, listeners, if you know where Riku is from, uh, if you have like a actual source, he you was, know, like he was the original Khan. Yeah. For... Like he couldn't from Tarkir. Like he is Asian, right? Like yeah. he's R- Riku, and you look at the art, he's an Asian guy, and the other guy's an Asian guy. Like, they're both Asian guys. Like he's two Asian guys, right? Yeah. So he could be from Tarkir. Right. Uh, he could be from uh, Kamigawa. You know, like, but we don't he, know. He could be from Ravnica. We don't he could be. You know, I, you know, the one thing about, the one thing about Kamigawa that, that is interesting is that Kamigawa had a theme with mirrors, you know, like Kiki Jiki Mirror Breaker. So, uh, being of two reflections, I, I don't, I don't know, probably yeah. not. But that's, I can see that. But, um, I don't. He's not 
I'm pretty sure he's not from Kamigawa. Yeah. Uh, so stop. <laughs> <laughs> stop stereotyping. <laughs> For real, you know, like why? Like he could be from anywhere. Just leave him alone. So. Now, now for a bit of, I'm going to ask you a speculative question. Sure. So in the text from the deck, it said that he learned an ancient illusionist spell. Yes. Who do you think that illusionist was? An ancient illusionist? If you had to speculate. Well, it depends on what world he's from. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, looped right back. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. Um, ancient illusionist. What are some like what are some illusionists in magic? I mean there there are a lot though. Like I mean at his at his base, Jace would be considered an illusionist. Yeah, but he's not ancient. Yeah. Would and the the only reason I ask this is because I could see Arcanus being an illusionist. <laughs> That's the only reason I bring uh, this up. But I thought I thought no you were way. gonna I thought you were gonna throw that bait out there because he's seen things that he didn't I, want anyone else to know. I know. There's the, I there's no way. There's no way that would be too good. That, <laughs> there's no way that that would happen to me. That Arcanus, my favorite creature, would be the one who taught. Riku, how to split himself in two. But you can't say that it wouldn't be... It'd be dope, don't get me wrong. <laughs> it would be really cool. It, and it, to me, it makes sense. I can't think of any other illusionist who would have that sort of knowledge. Because it's not like he's making an illusion of himself. Mm-hmm. He is two physical beings. Well, that's... Yeah, and that that is something that I was wrestling with, is that it said an illusionist, or he learned... Like, he, he learned an illusionist spell... Mm-hmm. But the two halves aren't illusions. Yeah. Or are they? Yeah. And see, that's the you don't know. So yeah, it's it's it makes you wonder about the nature of of illusions. You know? Because I mean, most I, I shouldn't say most. A lot of illusions have that uh, if it's the target of a spell or ability, sacrifice it mm-hmm. type mechanic. And so I'm like, I'm not sure. I'm not sure he, because obviously they're, I can never pronounce this word, corporeal. Uh-huh. Like they have, like illusions can affect things. They have a power and toughness. But it's almost like if you become aware of the illusion and you try and, you try and affect the illusion, it disappears. Okay. But the illusion can affect you right. as much as it wants. Right. So I wonder if one of them is an illusion and no one no one's like, he did a thing because no one knew that old spell. No one knows right. that he wasn't just like, there's two of me now. Right. Or what if they're, what if both reflections, now here, Riku of two reflections. Right? I think you're going the same way I went. All right. So like a reflection is not you. It's a vision. It's like an image of you, like on a mirror or glass or something. So what if Riku was never actually physically split? He might have been mentally split. Mm-hmm. Two consciousnesses, consciousnesses, <laughs> two con- you know, like one like almost like you download my consciousness into this yeah. tactile, auditory, physicalish illusion, and download my consciousness again into this reflection. And these two reflections. So I'm just kind of kind of like hovering and like yeah. I'm Luke Skywalker on Octa. Toe yeah. on a rock, just kind of meditating while my reflections are off doing work. 
See, that was that was the same path my head went down, just based also based on the art. Because mm-hmm. like, what if what if you have the two reflections there, and it's it's black behind the blue flame? But what if like yeah, not that you can, but you like up the contrast, and really the actual Riku is there, like meditating behind the blue flame. Right. Like to me, that's right. awesome. That'd be awesome, and then that's why the two reflections can't go too far apart, because they can't go too far away from the source. Yeah. It's not that they can't get to, it's not that they need each other, they both need the common source. Yeah. Which would explain in the art, when the two things that they're holding link together at the center, it's like they're just two projections of whatever's central, like the art tells the story, I think. Yeah. I dig it. That was the thought path I went down after I was like... When I read Illusionist, I was like, it's weird that he would be, like, that one of, at least one of them wouldn't be an illusion. But if, it would make more sense if they both were, and he was a blue mage. Right. Most, most if not all illusions are blue. Just about, yeah. Yeah. And so, like, sense. And he's just yeah. like, boop. And both abilities have blue in them, so at their core, uh-huh. they're blue. Right. With... Yeah, Mastering Riku. Riku, Riku by far is is so blue. Yeah, he's very blue, right? And so like the red and the green are both secondary colors in his own personal color pie. Yeah. So yeah, it makes sense then that neither Riku is what is the real Riku that we're seeing. Yeah. Huh. I like it. Very cool. I can't. Uh, can't confirm. Can't confirm. But the evidence but, does seem pretty convincing to me. But I'm going to say it's true, so... It seems true, <laughs> and uh, I am also going to choose to believe until I'm proven wrong that Arcanus was the one who talked about yeah, that. I can believe that. Because I think Arcanus could split himself into two. He can probably do more. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> what was the... Superman 2. Right? You were, okay. Right? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like Christopher, Christopher Reeve? Yeah. When he was in the, the Crystal Palace. Okay. Right? You know, his, Fortress his, of Solitude. His, yeah, Crystal... <laughs> When he was at Chuck E. Cheese, yeah. <laughs> uh, when, he, when he was in the Fortune of Solitude fighting General Zod and the other two, right? Okay. And he made he like they start doing this like teleportation tag game, and then Superman just starts making like illusion copies of himself because Christopher Christopher Reeves Superman could do like anything. Yeah, like he could he could fly backward fly around the world and make it spin backwards in reverse time. Yep, because he how could it throw works. cellophane versions of his S symbol yes. at people and wrap them up. It's really weird. He can make you forget things by kissing you, mm-hmm. which is kind of like weird thought, but whatever. <laughs> don't uh, don't go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, so yeah, so he had this ability, I guess, that all Kryptonians had, I guess, in that in that canon, where he was teleporting and kind of zipping back back and forth, and he was making copies of himself, like illusion copies. Yeah. And then like one bad guy tries to tackle him and just goes right through him, and then Lois Lane tries to hug him, and it turns out it's an illusion. <laughs> so like I can imagine Arcanus. Uh, doing that in the pit. Oh yeah, like he definitely. Just makes, like, which one's the real me? Yeah. Because remember that. Remember that flavor text. Like, I want you to hit the what I what you yeah know, what, what I want you to hit, not what you think you're gonna hit. Like, yeah. I think his his. We're gonna a, talk about Arcanus every episode. I think oh yeah, I think I now. think that's because to me. That's why I think <laughs> that's be part of the magic segment is <laughs> how can we link this character to Arcanus the Omnipotent? Just because he's he's blue and he's a wizard and a lot of the to me, correct me if I'm wrong, a lot of early wizards dealt with drawing cards. Yeah. But, drawing cards or countering spells. But I think for him... Bounce, like, it, they did the blue stuff. Drew yeah. cards, bounce, bounced things, or counter spells. 
I think for him, it would not be outside of his realm of fighting because he's so smart to split himself. Absolutely. And he's just like, boop, fight yeah. those things. I'm going to... Christopher Reeve can do it. Arcanus can do it. And so to me, because that's not... That's a very blue thing to do, but not every blue person can do it, right. in my opinion. It would not be too far-fetched for me to think that Riku studied an ancient illusionist spell, right. Arcanus, right. and taught himself to split himself. Because there, there were two lines from both of their bits that made me feel like it made me feel confident in it and i'm gonna try and find it real quick confident that arcanus taught Riku yeah. how to split himself <laughs> all right that's cool um let me get it down here okay through so a, yeah through an ancient illusionist spell through an ancient solution, he found the solution. He secretly split himself into two reflections, and each Riku trained and studied for years in its chosen field. Mm -hmm. Today, Riku is hailed as a master of both disciplines, comma, and few know his secrets. Mm, yes. That few know his secrets bit very is, is very Arcanus. Yes. And then you take into account his... There's definitely not a floating Riku back there. But no, it makes me sad. Um, it's an illusion. He's somewhere. Yeah. Makes me think that it's not outside the realm of possibility and very probable that he could have learned it from maybe not like face to face. Like Arcanus was like, here, this is how you split yourself. Right. But some sort of right. telling of. There was this pit fighter in, in, from another world that could <laughs> split himself, and Riku's like that. Yeah, that's that. that's, that's the ability. That's what, I want. <laughs> that's what I've been looking yeah. for, so I can go off and learn red magic and green magic. And man, this makes this can make a good this make a good fan fiction. Yeah, <laughs> like because I can see Riku hearing the story, or even maybe seeing Arcanus fighting in the pit, and he's like, "Oh man, he did the whole Christopher Reeve thing in Superman too. <laughs> I gotta learn from this guy. I gotta find him." And then like. Maybe earning the right to learn this yeah. thing or have this spell done by Arcanus. That'd be pretty cool. Very cool, man. That's See, there's not a whole lot that Wizards gave us about the character, but there's still a lot to talk about. Yeah, I, and that, that is a well-designed magic card, Yeah, I think. Uh, when you look at the art and what little bit they give you, and you're able to have a conversation like this about it, that is a very well-designed card. Um, I agree. Very flavorful, mechanically, functionally. Thematically, I like it. I agree. That's why I picked it. That was a, that was a good choice. So that means I get to pick the next one. Yep. All right. I get to pick the next it's one. It's gonna be Arcanus the Omnipotent. <laughs> uh, Version 2.0. Yep. This is the one with the other flavor text that we talked about. We started with the first one. That's right. This is the foil <laughs> yeah. version. Yeah. So now we'll, I'll pick some different, but we'll try to link it to Arcanus. Yeah, I'm sure we can. Sure. I. I not that we can't pick things without blue in it, but I have a feeling that a lot of times somehow well, it's going to be linked yeah. to blue magic. I mean, we don't have to always pick a wizard, but if we do pick a wizard, chances are good it will probably be blue. Yeah. We'll see. I don't know. We'll, we'll figure it out. All right. So uh, before we take off, uh, you want to remind everybody out there about our giveaway? Yeah. So like I said, we have the giveaway of the – it's a Lavender Toys R Us exclusive pop figure. Toys R Us, R.I.P. 
Yep. We, the rules are flexible. Um, like our page on Facebook, mm-hmm. share the first episode or this episode of the podcast. Yeah, I guess you can share either one. Yeah. Share, share an episode of the podcast. We're hoping to reach more people. And we're going to give you a pop figure. So, like, you just have to click a button. That's right. Um, so, once uh, we'll, I guess we'll look for people who are going to share and like and, and yeah. in the next week or so. And then uh, we'll, we'll announce it. We'll announce it next time. Yep. So, we'll do it. We'd be podcast every two weeks. Every two weeks. So, right now it's Monday evening. That's when we like to record. Yep. So, it'll be up either. Uh, you'll probably hear this on a Tuesday or Wednesday. Yeah, most likely. You know. I'll, I'll, I'll look at the audio, make sure there weren't any awkward pauses, and probably just switch to MP3 and upload it. Sounds good. Uh, outside of that, we're, again, always looking for suggestions, Facebook or email. That's Wizards right. and Wisdom Podcast, podcast. at Gmail. That's uh, right. Got it right this time. <laughs> that other podcast didn't get any more yeah. of our stuff. Yeah, that. <laughs> Don't touch our spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> Do not touch our spaghetti. Uh, All right. Awesome, man. Great show. Yeah. Great fun. I, same. So until next time, I'm Bud. I'm Joe. Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, peace.